Friday, and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly no-fluff data first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. This is Ariel from App Figures, and I have five highlights for you today. Or five insights? Highlights? They're both the same at this point. The first one is kind of interesting, actually. As I was analyzing revenue trends this week, I noticed Tinder has been crushing it on revenue. Then I noticed Bumble's on a similar trend. And if you go down a bit, I noticed that Hinge is kind of following the same pattern. And then I looked at other apps in the category, and it kind of all feel, felt the same. So I lumped them all together to see how this entire segment is doing. And the simple answer is it's doing great. Dating app revenue is actually up 264% since 2018. So I looked at Tinder, Bumble, Match, Plenty of Fish, and Hinge. And together, their revenue, their net revenue, I should say, in the U.S. grew 264% since 2018. In absolute terms, that means that it's gone from about $25 million a month in the beginning of 2018, January, all the way up to $91 million at the end of July of 2021. That's crazy. Now, Tinder controls about a half of all that revenue, and Bumble's kind of right behind it, but the rest are growing pretty rapidly as well. What's interesting is that Bumble's growth is not as steep as any of the other ones, which is interesting to me because they IPO'd last year, and I thought it would be such a great success given their business model and given what they do with their, with their app, but I guess that's not how it's working. They still make a ton of money, so that doesn't really matter. Now, the funny thing to me is I remember the days when couples who met online, that's how they used to call it back then, uh, would make up stories to avoid embarrassment. And judging by these numbers, couples that don't do it these days, if there are any who don't meet online, will be the ones having to make up stories. I think that's just funny. Moving on to number two. It's been a while since I last looked at the numbers behind Apple's attempt to end Facebook, which is really app tracking transparency. So I did that this week. Since it's become a requirement, 24,131 iOS apps have enabled app tracking transparency. Some because they need it, while others needed it for a third party or something else that they use, they just never turned it off. Now, if you recall, the last time I looked at app tracking transparency, there were about 10,000 apps, and that was back in April, about a week into app tracking transparency, end of the world. So a little over three months, three and a half months, and that number isn't that high. It's not crazy at all. I'm, I'm not going to say this is a surprise. I think, to me, what this means is that a lot of developers just sat and waited to see what would happen with app tracking transparency and opt-in rates and what users would feel about it. But there's also another interesting angle that isn't the number of apps that have it. It's the number of apps that tried it, meaning the number of apps that enabled it and then disabled it. So I looked at that as well, and our SDK intelligence has all that information, and that number adds up to 394. Now, I actually expected that number to be a bit higher, but I also expected the total to be a bit higher. So to me, this, even though slow, even though small, reinforces the wait-and-see strategy from a lot of developers. So instead of trying it to begin with, they just waited to see what, what would happen. And not many tried it unnecessarily, and not many had to get rid of it unnecessarily. But the big guys kind of had to. And so they had to for whatever reason, whether it's to for their code not to break or for their revenue stream to potentially continue. But the rest just waited. Now, of the 394 we see WhatsApp, Twitch, Pokemon Go, Instacart, and really the list goes on to include banks and payment apps and games and dating apps and shopping apps and a whole bunch of others. So the obvious question here is why? 
And there can be a few answers. My initial guess is that opt-in rates are just so low that it's not worth having it all together because those who do opt-in don't provide enough value to whatever the system is that those companies are using this private data for, the data tracking for. And I really think Apple did an amazing job at choking this entire industry by not only turning off access to unique identifiers and, and forcing developers to ask to turn them on, but also by turning that off by default. And so most users don't even know that anyone is asking to track. And I think ultimately that means that no one knows that they want to be tracked. No one wants to be tracked. So no one's going to be tracked. Now, it looks a lot like Apple just won this war. ATT happened and everyone is suffering. But I have a feeling this is far from over. I don't exactly know how it's going to play out and I don't know what's coming next. And I don't have any additional information, like secret information about this. But something about this just feels too abrupt and too extreme and too big to just happen and and that's the end of it. Facebook is losing a bunch. Um, advertisers who spend money on Facebook through Facebook are now seeing their return really go down. So it's, it can't continue this way. Something has to happen. I don't know what it is, but something has to happen. That's That's my take on it. In number three, we have the most downloaded games of July. So last week, I did the most downloaded apps. And this week, I did the most downloaded games. I We ranked, not I, we ranked the games, all the games, by downloads and by revenue in July. And the results were, um, I would say, somewhat interesting. Trading Master 3D was the most downloaded game in the world in July. It netted about 28 million downloads across the App Store and Google Play, according to our estimates, with Count Masters, which used to be number one in June, dropping to second place with about 24 million downloads. Now, a new one that kind of entered this is my talking Angela, which jumped into third place seemingly out of nowhere with about 24 million downloads also, um, according to our estimates. Ranked by revenue, Roblox has a commanding leads in the US with about $49 million of net revenue between the App Store and Google Play in July. I have a full report on this, which has pretty much all the apps that you saw, all the games that you saw last month uh, with a few changes, a few shifts that you can take a look at and see all the apps ranked by downloads. I keep saying apps, but I mean games. All the games ranked by downloads and also by revenue. So check out the show notes if you want to see that sort of information. And also I have a favor to ask. We took the time to redesign what our top charts look like for this particular series, and I would love your feedback on it. So if you're looking at them, um, let me know what you think. Next up, car rental. So COVID has wrecked havoc on the car rental market. This is not the first time I'm saying this, and this is not the first time I'm talking about numbers. But as we continue to claw out of lockdowns and more things are opening up, one contender seems to have taken a significant lead. And I'm not talking about any of the incumbents like Enterprise or Avis. I'm not even talking about Zipcar, which was the first rent-by-app company, uh, which I remember when they opened up way back in the day here in New York City. I'm talking about Turo, which is the Airbnb version of car rentals. And it's actually kind of cool. I used it before. Um, Turo has secretly filed for an IPO this week, which led me to look at its downloads. Now, I looked at its downloads a few months ago, and I also analyzed its App Store optimization. So I already had a feeling that downloads are going to be healthy. But I want to compare it to all the other apps that it competes with to see why it's trying to IPO. Is there anything there that would be indicative of really amazing performance? The easy answer is yes. So I compare the downloads of the top car rental apps in the US, which include Turo, Enterprise, Hertz, Avis, Zipcar, and Getaround. 
to see which one has the largest share. And so far this year, the biggest winner is without a doubt, Turo. We estimate that in the US, Turo's downloads totaled 1.9 million since the beginning of 2021 and across both stores. The second most downloaded car rental app is Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which saw just 750,000 downloads in the same range. Now, this is kind of a funky year, and I imagine things are a little bit difficult, especially with advertising budgets and not knowing where to place them. But we're talking about almost a third of downloads here, so it's not even, not even close. Hertz, which was right behind it, uh, was downloaded 460,000 times, according to our app intelligence. So that's way below. And then the remaining three, Avis, Zipcar, and Getaround, were in the 300,000-ish range. Having used almost every one of those services, I know that there are a few factors that play into success. Advertising and promotion being the most obvious, but the size of the network, the user experience, and most importantly, in my opinion, and from my experience, is customer service. And I think Tura does a really good job at all of those. It's very easy to get access to a car. They have probably the best range of cars. If you want a luxury car, you want a Porsche, you want a Tesla, you want any of those, you can easily get it. Um, and I know I looked in my area, which is New York City, which probably has more cars than other places, but I did some random searches in other remote areas of the country just to see what it's like, and it's kind of the same. So they do have a really good network. Their customer service was pretty good when I needed it. Um, it wasn't amazing, but I don't think that was their fault. And their app actually is easy to use. And I can't say that about any about most of the other apps. And so I think between all of those, it, I see why it's trying to IPO. I don't know if it's actually going to explode. I know I've talked about a whole bunch of IPOs and um, some of the ones I thought would explode didn't and some of the ones that didn't that I didn't think would explode actually did. So I'm not gonna make any calls on this. I think it's way too early to tell and I would love to see what kind of numbers they share when they eventually um, announce their IPO. But until then, I'm not at all surprised that this is happening and I think that's a good step considering everything that's been happening in this industry. And last but not least, is PUBG. After nearly a year, PUBG is officially back in India. If you remember, the title was banned last year because of its ties to China mostly, but also for extreme violence, the reason that caused a whole bunch of other countries actually to punt it. So last month, after switching cloud providers from Tencent to Microsoft, separating its account system, so users now need a new account system, and they even had to change the color of blood to green, Battlegrounds Mobile India, which is the new name of a new title, that's really PUBG, launched in India. In its first month on Google Play, the game has seen 23 million downloads according to our estimates. The trend is sloping down, but that's pretty normal for launches. In-game revenue is somewhat low for such a name at an estimated 660,000 net revenue so far. But now all revenue is going through Google Play, so that could be related. Now, Bellgrounds Mobile India is currently only available on Android. But I saw a leak earlier today that's saying that the iPhone version is coming very, very soon, maybe in the next few days. So that's going to be something to keep an eye out for. I know India is Android heavy, and so I don't expect the iOS release to do any, any amazing, to have any amazing impact on downloads on revenue. But it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially when we have numbers to compare it from Google Play. Also, also interesting is Krafton, which is the company behind PUBG, just went public last week in South Korea. And they weren't really doing all that hot in opening week, but I think that's going to change. PUBG is huge. If you think about it, it's in a whole bunch of countries and it's it's got a huge following. So I think they are in a lot of trouble in some countries, especially the countries that care about extreme violence. And that's 
kind of what happened in India. Um, they also were banned in China, which I thought was crazy when I first heard it, mostly for extreme violence. So they had to make some changes, including uh, blood turning to green. And I, I read somewhere that uh, people wave off as they die, which I thought was funny. But I don't see any reason why this wouldn't happen in other countries. So any country that banned PUBG for extreme violence could easily have its own local version where blood is green and people are waving and whatever else needs to happen to please the government happens. And whether that's good or bad is not a matter that I want to talk about because I don't really have a lot of opinions on it. But I do see an interesting, potentially interesting trend that could come out of this. And that is if this is happening to PUBG, which is one of the largest games, why not enforce this on every game? Why not enforce this on any game that has violence? And if that does become a thing and if that we see that happening in more countries, that could really alter the way games, especially that type of games, um, it can alter the way that they're played, that they're consumed, and the way in general that games are. And if that happens, that's a huge trend. I don't know what kind of impact that would have on, on the bottom line, on downloads, on revenue, on consumption, but it will definitely have some sort of an impact. And that's something to keep an eye out on, so I'm gonna do that. And on that note, I'm gonna say happy Friday. That's it for me. If you like any of the insights in this episode, please tell your friends. And if you wanna see these numbers for your own apps for competitors, we have a pretty affordable suite of tools to do that. Head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence to do that. That's it for me. See you next week. <laughs>